Ladies and gentlemen, I called you here for a very important cold open. I mean business meeting. This is the most serious thing I've ever had to say. Happy Eula days! I guess. Oh, <laughs> See? Travis, you're in such See? a good festive mood. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, this feels like this could have just been an email, but you wanted to call a whole meeting just to tell us that? I feel like when I send emails, I don't have anybody looking at me, and I hate that. Yeah, well, that that festive thong you're wearing is uncomfortable to look at, I will admit. Uncomfortable to look at? I feel like I'm getting cut in half. But tis the season, am I right? Why is nobody high-fiving me? Ooh, boy, wow. (laughs) You raise your arm up and that smell is overwhelming. It's cold out. You don't have to use deodorant in the winter's times. Travis Royals and lead designer Ian of the Hills are tanking their adventure architecture firm. One failed project at a time. If you require their services, write them a letter, and they may build you one of their crappy castles. Ooh, boy, man, I used to be able to do a horse. I can't do a horse anymore. <laughs> you kind of sound like that Centaur World character. <laughs> uh, which one? <laughs> the guy with the long neck, I think? No, he has a weird squeaky voice, right? Yeah, that's Josh Radner. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Durpleton. <laughs> Durpleton. Or are you thinking of Zulius, who's fabulous? <laughs> Zulius is fabulous. Who has the, it's the bird that has the pretty face. Powers. Oh, Chet, who has handsome for eight seconds. <laughs> handsome for eight seconds. Great superpower. Great spell. Um, I identify with Wink, but I really love Glendale. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's here. Hey, Travis, I'm here, and so are you. We're here, and it is it is the Eula days, baby. And you know who's not here? Go ahead. Adrian's not here. It's just you and me, the original dynamic duo of podcasting. And let me tell you, despite being a new father, you are looking particularly dynamic. Well, thank you. Thank you, Travis. I really appreciate that. You know, and, and thank you so much for stopping in the hospital to come and say hi and, you know, um, service the employment paperwork for uh, Eddie of the Hills. And then um, also this pink slip that you've just given me where you have fired him. Yeah, I was starting to feel a little threatened. Um, you know, I, I'm just going to be really transparent with you. When my dad made your new baby the mascot, I had a lot of things come up. Mm-hmm. Does my daddy think I'm pretty? Um, will I ever be the best baby again? So I'm kind of, yeah, uh, declaring war on your child. Okay, yeah. That, I mean, that seems fair and rational and, and very good. So, I mean, I guess like what, like later on, we're going to have like a like a wet t-shirt contest between you and my baby to see who's the best? Well, I would, but I got to be real. That baby's t-shirt, always wet. They're not going to win that true. one. <laughs> it's Your true. baby seems to be, from what I've seen, just consistently and constantly wet. 
That is very accurate. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just really, really producing so many fluids and not where you want them to be. Probably because it was, you know, fed so much wet chicken in the womb, I would imagine. <laughs> I would assume as much as well, too. Couldn't help. So. But, you know, enough about my, uh, you know, procreation um, and very professional, I might add, that I created him. So um, that's true. I am done talking about your baby because it's the Eula days. Hang the tree and do the stockings. It is Eula days time. Put the stuff in the box. Open it up and don't cry. <laughs> You can't cry on the during the Eula days, and that's exactly why we are, of course, wearing our no-cry masks, our mm-hmm. uh, cotton red hats. Yeah. It's possible my microphone is picking up my son, uh, who didn't get the memo about the no-cry holiday um, that, that is coming through right now. Get so, it together, baby. I know. I blame the parents. <laughs> I'm not, I shouldn't be so quick to judge. I spilled a lot of soda on my Eula Days hat before we started recording. <laughs> oh, so also We're, you're in an effort to also be perpetually damp as well. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm, I'm judgmental, but truly I'm, when am I not wet? Um, during the Eula Days, I change. I'm a different person. You might know me as someone who is very strictly business. You might know me who as someone who is very professional. But during the Yule days, I'm loose as a goose, baby. Casual Trav. That's what we got. Friggin' boiled goose over here. Cash Trav. And just in time for the Yule days, I have selected a, a Yule day letter, in case you don't know. Uh, this time of year and every time of year on this podcast, we get letters that ask us to build people dungeons, and we do it, and we do it free of charge. And we do it because this podcast is very good marketing for our adventure architecture firm, and we do it because we are sure that one day you people will hire us, give us some money, some source of income. And passion. We have passion. Also, we have passion. As well as passion fruit. Yeah. Could you please stop eating fruit? I'm about to read this. Eula Day's letter. <laughs> what was that? Oh, that's a, it's this new character I'm thinking about branding. I think he's going to do wonders for us. Okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> he's the Wintar. Oh, the Wintar. Okay, yeah. Oh, tell me more about. The, well, do we want to read the letter and then you can nope, introduce? No, I this want to wintar? talk about the Wintar. Okay, all right. The Wintar is half man, half winter, <laughs> and here he comes into your home. Which half? It's strange to see. It's not a bottom top left or right thing. It is happening on a molecular level. Oh wow, that's uh... very scary to see. It sounds like it would be hard to see. <laughs> His long white beard is plasmatic, and if it touches you, you are kind of cryogenically frozen for hundreds and hundreds of years. Okay. All right. I feel like there's some interesting applications for that that, you know, kind of preserve yourself and um, probably very popular among the, you know, wealthy elite who choose to just, you know, ride out these times of plague, pestilence, disease, famine, poverty, mm, all of mm-hmm. those things. You yeah, know. just go just go night-night. Thaw it around a better time. The Wintar provides a welcome reprieve uh, for <laughs> peasant life. Just fall asleep for the whole season. And come spring, you'll thaw out. 
Yeah. All right. Time to read our special holiday letter. You can tell because it's covered in lots of stickies. Man, I'm so familiar with being covered in sticky. But uh, did you want me to read it or do you want to read it? You know what? You don't have enough going on. Why don't you read it? Okay. Perfect. Hello, crappy castles, and happy Yule days. I'm sitting here staring at my Yule time tree, decorated in so many Snoopy ornaments, and I wondered, why the heck do we decorate pine trees during the holidays? I thought maybe you could make a dungeon that is both fun and educational to explain the origins of this delightful smelling tradition. Happy Holidays. Signed, Jolly Jennifer. Well, Jolly Jennifer has a very pleasant voice. She does, yeah. That's, that was really nice. Um, she sounds very relaxed, actually, just kind of sitting there enjoying this time of year. Jennifer, it's a it's quite a, a can of worms that you're you're opening there, a can of dire worms even. Um, and I'm not talking about a decorative one that you might hang upon your Yuleday's tree. The history of evergreen wintertime decor is a rich and storied one. And Ian, I got to be sad. It's there's, there's tragedy in it too. Mostly tragedy. No funny. I think it's going to be great for our humor podcast. The issues therein go back thousands upon hundreds of thousands of years. Do we want to just rip this gingerbread smelling bandaid off and, Mm. um, Mm. and just say about, you know, that, it was the last of the the warlocks that. You know what? You seem to know more about it right at the second. So why don't you? I mean, I know about it, but why don't you start talking about it first? Yeah. So you know, warlocks. You have to make a pact. You know, and uh, at one point there was a particular brand of warlocks that made a deal with powerful forest spirits. Mm. Uh, they were known as the pine souls. Uh huh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they kind of, you know, made this deal in order to, you know, do this. They got these powers and, you know, they're kind of, you know, very foresty, naturey, evergreen powers and mm. blessed with long life and, you know, things like that. And, um, but, you know, with this great war, you know, they were are basically all but extinct. And, um, you know, to celebrate our triumph, we cut down these trees every year and put them in our homes and decorate them. Warlock pine souls made a mm-hmm. pact with these trees, and I and I do believe that in the the second age, unfortunately, after all the non animated forests had been cut, they took to the the ents, of course, mm-hmm. yeah, and the tree folk, dryads and, uh, and shambling mounds, things like that. And here come the legions of lumberjacks mm-hmm. yeah. st- storming upon them with so many axes. Yeah, this is this is so long ago. This is really before even dwarves got into stone. They were really into wood. <laughs> they knew about, it wasn't like a wood age, stone age situation. They were like, they knew about stone. They were just like, that shit's played out. 
it's all wood all the time for they, us. Well, I mean, if you think about it, you know, you always see dwarves with like battle axes and stuff like that, but they're also always mining. An axe in a mine, that's not going to do shit. Not going to work at all. Yes. Yeah. Where are all these dwarves wielding pickaxes? Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. Wielding an axe is um, actually like a, a nod to their heritage of being super into uh, wood and all that. So. so I think, you know, just to kind of start to turn this into, you know, this educational experience. Mm-hmm. First of all, we're going to need to be able to move very quickly through, through these beats, right? Mm-hmm. Like any good um, educational experience, it, it's got to be punchy. These kids, their attention spans are, are faltering. Jolly Jennifer, I'm sure you're no different. I don't know who this Snoopy fellow is that you mentioned, but <laughs> if he's around, you can. He sounds like a real dog. <laughs> so, all right. I think that you, you just kind of brush over the, the pine souls moment, really mop that uh, clean. And you get right into this, this second age, maybe, maybe part of this, party they're accompanied by one of the elder pine souls warlocks that are that are there to share those those tales Mm -hmm. it's funny how you know today we decorate these trees with these you know cute little you know bits of bric-a-brac and briquettes and you know other things like that um brick brack yeah (laughs) yeah other br words (laughs) um but uh at the time you would take these trees and you would actually uh, put the armor of slain pine soul warlocks on the trees as a way to ward against and protect your home against attacks from these ents and dryads and shambling mounds and awakened shrubs and twig folk and things like that. And to my understanding, there was also um, the, these ent people would hurl these enchanted grenades uh at the dwarven lumberjacks Mm -hmm. and they were so festive almost when they exploded killing (laughs) hundreds of dwarves yeah just twinkling tinsel exploding from from these kind of bright shiny cases that um along with this kind of nod to the warlockian armor we also hang these tiny grenades um mm-hmm. on on the trees as well it very kind of kind of like wearing the cross around your neck <laughs> you a know it's bit, like yeah. really rubbing their nose in it it's yeah it's bit, a, well, it's it's interesting that we you know kind of celebrate or pay homage to essentially both sides of this battle, you know, in one kind of holiday. And hey, if you really want to ruin Eula Day's dinner time, just bring up where do you, which do you side with? <laughs> so I, I, I feel like, you, you know, the adventure needs to really kind of take place like right in the middle of this battlefield. And I think it's up to the adventurers to essentially pick a side, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if they're smart, of course, they'll pick mm-hmm. the industrious lumberjacks who are just doing their job and doing it very well. And uh, we're essentially trying to do what we all want to do, right? It's the the Forgotten Realmsian dream to sell a bunch of shit and be very rich and, and powerful. 
Hmm. Okay. I mean, and that's just so beautiful. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess, wow. I, I just don't know if I would have sided with the, the, the dwarven lumberjacks. I mean, um, classic Ian. The, okay. Yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, Mary woke miss everybody. No, please let's hear it. You know, the, the, the trees are just, you know, kind of trying to do their own thing and they're not trying to harm anybody or anything like that. It's just kind of the lumberjacks who encroached upon, you know, their, you know, space land lives and all of that. And they had these allies who wanted to join with them and champion their cause and were kind of subsequently punished for it and um, subjugated, you know, it's, I don't know if I feels that to me, that's like very heartbreaking and, you know, and what a powerful story to just kind of, you know, want to fight for something that you believe in, you know, so strongly, but I guess, you know, to case in point, I hadn't thought about it from your perspective too, that, you know, that is the dream of, you know, everybody always says subjugate with such a ugly tone. It's always <laughs> subjugate. Why not? Why never subjugated? Yeah. They subjugated them. I mean, that's yeah. kind of an achievement. It's hard to subjugate, you know, like an entire uh, forest of ends. It's quite a mm-hmm. feat yeah, of well, business. The, the lumberjacks really gentrified the forest. <laughs> they did build a few condos. Sure. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you need a jam store, don't you? What, what yeah. do you? Where do you get your jam if not at the jam store? I mean, they're just trying to help out the economy by giving them a place that they can live, work, and play all in with one place. But, of course, there's way more residences than there are potential job opportunities. Also, any of the job opportunities there would not be enough to cover said rent in said place. You know, so, I mean, it's, you know, it's definitely not a flawed premise at all. <laughs> And I'm watching Ian process the world he's brought his child into. And I do think uh, I need to throw you a bone. So here's what I will say. Okay. I think I am right that the lumberjacks were cool and chill and the ends had it coming. However, that is not the popular opinion right now. And you know what's wrong with sharing the unpopular opinion? I, I I don't know, but I bet you're going to tell me. Not enough friggin' money in it. It's time for a short break. Hello, listeners of Crappy Castles. It's me, your co-host with a hat on. Ian of the Hills. I'm exhausted. Babies are tough. But this is the last episode uh, for the year. We're not pod fading. Uh, We'll be back next year, but uh, we hope everyone has a great holiday. And if you do get um, a sweet check from Grandma, feel free to send it our way at patreon.com slash crappy castles. That would be super great. But if uh, Grandma's really holding back this year, you can always follow us on Instagram and TikTok at those respective URLs slash crappy castles. We'd love uh, to see you there and view our content there as well. So we love you and hope you have a great holiday. I don't love you. Not even for the holiday? (laughs) I was lying. I love him a little bit. Well, okay. Well, well, let's ask this. Since you are pro 
No, well, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, I, I'm I trying talk. to help you out here. No, I'm, I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> no, let me help you. <laughs> no, it's the, tis the season. Let me help you for once, Please, Travis. please, I insist. <laughs> okay, fine. You help me, and then I'll help you. I think if we make an adventure that's all about helping the lumberjacks, ain't nobody going to buy it. I think you're probably right. I think... You know, it is the opinion du jour that, oh, the ints didn't have it coming and they really didn't deserve all that. So I think for this adventure, let's not leave it up to chance. Let's make sure that the these adventurers get to see things from the ints perspective. Okay. They get to help the ints fight back the tide, uh, and, you know, <laughs> unsuccessfully, I should add, but... Uh, do you think that maybe it should be kind of like a, um, a more emphasis on the fun and educational part of this? And maybe it's not so like gritty realistic and it's kind of, you know, rather than like, you know, throwing these grenades that like turns everybody in, like into like silver shattered bits, mm. um, you know, maybe they're just, you know, snowballs, you know, something like that. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like a big, uh, uh, you know, snowball fight. Um Oh, non-lethal. I see what mm-hmm. you're saying. Yeah, it's a yeah. reenactment. Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, okay, well, let me ask this. I feel like we need to kind of uh, name some prominent uh, NPCs in this. Uh, who, who do you think the, uh, the general of the, the warlocks is that they probably need to speak to? The warlock general is, of course, of the, the pine souls, you mean? Mm-hmm, Yes. Well, Mr. Clean. Yeah, that, that's the obvious way to go on that. <laughs> <laughs> Command, uh, excuse me, I should call him by his ranking. Commander Clean. Commander Clean, of course, yes. Um, Commander Clean, a, a the baldest warlock to ever lived. Mm-hmm. That's part of his claim to fame. Um, right, he's kind of barking orders from the tent. Mm. But he's so pale, he is able to hide in that snow perfectly. In the snow. he's all pale. He's so pale. He's wearing all white. You're exactly right. He he can he'll pop up right behind you and snap your neck, but not for real. Again, reenactment. Yeah, he'll put snow into your underwear. <laughs> I was thinking then, you know, if they have to um, probably talk to one of these uh, dryads or uh, maybe an ent or something like that, um, they probably need to you know run some errands, you know, maybe check in with them or maybe resupply or get some sort of you know forested boon kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, that of course would be Douglas the Dryad. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I was. Uh, Douglas the Dryad was always covered in fur. Uh huh. Yeah. And if you, you know, paid him a pretty penny, you too could wear one of Douglas's furs. Mm-hmm. But he was always amongst the trees. He was running training regimens, helping them grow stronger, making their needles just fine tipped and prickly. Yeah. And if, you know, people, you know, were, you know, maybe not sure about what they were doing, if they were maybe stumped, he'd help, he'd help them out. He'd really help them get to the root of their problem. I may be going out on a limb here, but I mean, do you think it's enough to have the dryad and the warlock? I really think we need to talk about some of the different smaller factions that were involved in this. Oh, you want to branch out a little bit? 
let's do that and let's talk about the tiny halfling elf hybrids mm-hmm. that were kind uh, of yes, running half around. elves, I believe is what they're called. These are actually even smaller than that. These are quarter elves. <laughs> and they would kind of uh, run amongst the trees, uh, delivering mm-hmm. uh, supplies, um, always in these beautifully wrapped packages. In fact, it, it started to annoy a lot of the ends. They were kind of like, this is this all this papers is getting in the way. We really need these supplies now. We're dying, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Of course. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they're, you know, really trying to get those supplies as quickly as possible because the lead lumberjack was this powerful barbarian who, um, you know, wore red all the time so that when he took battle wounds, like no one, his fellow lumberjack soldiers wouldn't be able to see his wounds and all of that. And we know that his name is, of course. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, this hot cocoa is good. <laughs> mm. um what's in this oh nobody's here wait is the office empty what i don't think oh it's it's the yule days break isn't it there's nobody i think here. it is yeah yeah i think everyone we send everybody home early so they could go get ready for the holiday party later i don't even think this is coco actually Ugh. What am I drinking? <laughs> Who made it for you? I thought this was marshmallow, but it may be mold. <laughs> um, so I think that, uh, you know, this uh, large lumberjack fellow goes by the name of. And that man's name was Stephen. I don't know why you were expecting something interesting. It's his name was just Stephen. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Stephen the Barbarian. Some- yeah, some people just have names, you know, but, um, but man, Steven loved chopping that wood. Steven was a born chopper for sure. But, um, of course now history does not look kindly on his valiant efforts. Mm-hmm. Lots of people bringing down the, the statue. We all tried to canonize him. We tried to make him no. a bit of a saint, but. Hey, can I ask you a question about that? absolutely i boy oh boy i hope that the the listener out there is keeping the thread that we're talking about lumberjacks right now (laughs) did he dual wield axes or did he just have like a one giant big axe that he just like went through stuff oh that's cool man dual wielding so neat though maybe he dual wielded wold i think it's dual wold uh two two hand axes Oh, he had four hands. He had four hands. And that's when he finally, after winning the Lumber Wars, he, of course, used Wait, he his- won the Lumber Wars? Didn't he? I thought it was all agreed upon that it was a stalemate, and that's why we celebrate this time with both sides winning and losing, is that neither side really kind of came out. But I, su- I suppose, like, you know, certain revisionist history, you could probably say that, like, oh, but, you know. <laughs> A- after the Lumber Wars concluded and and both sides were, were forced to kind of slink back to their areas, uh, he did apply those four hands to his number one passion of carpentry. And he'd, mm-hmm. ma- he'd make little trinkets for for various children as long as they sided politically with him. He kept a list. Mm-hmm. Um 
of, as he put it, right and wrong. Yeah. Um, Because if you're not right, you're wrong is what he used to say. Um, And he'd have just these little kind of very offensive anti-int toys that he would give out every Eula Day's times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, I think uh, probably whatever lumberjacks survived probably were helping him out to distribute them. Um, The poor little quarter elves, uh, once the war ended, needed kind of jobs. And so he did kind of take them under his wing and, you know, um, for, you know, just a little bit of money, kind of help them out. And, you know, they would go deliver once. It was pretty ingenious. They could only spend this company script at the headquarters. So, I mean, I, I just really appreciate St. Steve's mm. kind of uh, a business. That's where you got that idea. Acumen. Absolutely. See, they all lived in this collective, uh, but uh, to kind of stay away from the prying eye of the government, Stephen went off the grid and he kind mm. of built this this compound where they were forced to work um, for the, the company dollar. So they had to live and eat. And, and I mean, truly he doled out everything to these quarter elves. Um, and I, I really, I got to respect it. I think yeah, it's genius. Changes barbarian ways and kind of almost became like a, a cleric of sorts. It seems definitely, I leaned into the, the sainthood aspect. Of course the government would intervene eventually saying, Oh, you're not an actual saint. Please keep giving our kids these racist toys <laughs> well i and i think that's how he kind of got around it right is because he was able to start that you know temple and it was tax you know tax free and you know yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> you know when we started this show i i wondered which way we were gonna go <laughs> and i really like where we ended up yeah <laughs> Um, so I think that now that we've established the core characters, of course, during Mm -hmm. the lumber wars, yeah, we have to parse what, there are so many different vignettes that one could tell during the lumber wars, right? We Mm want to pick a a time, um, that was so emblematic that, Mm -hmm. that is kind of a, a one and done story set during the lumber wars but that really shows kind of the the catastrophe so i think maybe the the party is is having to go into lumberjack territory to rescue one lone pine yeah maybe a shambling mound that shambled too far exactly so if they uh, if they save this pine of course they have to get it back as well And they could get valuable intel that could save them from the war, you know, and maybe turn the tide of battle. But I think that it's going to become a kind of a whole sorted tale where you learn more about the other side, kind of a little bit of an espionage, you know, fighting your way through and then fighting your way back out. But, you know, maybe a little bit of doom scenario. Um, But I think that probably part of the education, probably the fun part of this also needs to be what do the adventurers get to take back with them after doing this, you know, edutainment adventure? What, what, what gifts do you think that they could have? You mean besides all the, the stuff we'll sell at the souvenir shop besides, yeah, besides that. Yeah. Kind of like the, the token, um, you know, thanks for visiting. Um, look, if I had my way, they'd have a tiny little int child to take home with them. 
but knowing that that probably won't play in the uh, with the coastal elites, you know, maybe they take home, take home a new pair of socks. Aha, uh-huh. we'll sell them at the souvenir store. That's what you're saying. Well, you sell them one one sock and then they have to buy the other sock from the souvenir. Right. Doug- Douglas sells them one fur sock. Yep. But if, hey, if they want to complete the set, but so many people don't. So what they do is they take home their single fur sock and they Mm -hmm. display it proudly in their home. Yep. And Douglas is a whiz. He'll even put your name on the sock and everything like, and you get that complimentary for just completing the adventure. So, so be sure to hang it up somewhere prominent, you know, they do seem to attract moisture. So keep it somewhere kind of warm, you know, Um, warm, dry. Yeah. Uh, but do be warned because you may wake up on Merry Miss Morning and find a small racist toy. <laughs> We're really look Saint Stephen in his in his new undead spirit form. I mean, to his credit, after m- m- so many tries to bust this particular ghost, they tr- they can't. No matter yeah. what, every Merry Miss his spirit. In the blink of an eye, travels all of the Forgotten Realms, dropping off these very problematic <laughs> toys, yeah. kind of pushing the, the the winning narrative. Yeah. Well, uh, Jolly Jennifer, I, th- I think we answered your question on why we hang socks up on the hearth uh, around this time of year. And uh, that was definitely what you asked. And I'm glad we could really walk you through that and uh, provide an adventure that would hopefully be uh, entertaining and insightful. It's not my job anymore because it's the Yule Day break starting now. I'm out. Oh, I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll turn everything off. And um, did you want me to wash this cocoa mug? Leave it. Hey, kids. I'm here to teach you a little bit about the lumber wars. You know, some folks say that those ends had what was coming to them. But I don't think that's exactly right. That's why on this journey, you're going to get to learn a little bit more from the Ents perspective. You'll meet Douglas and, and wear his furs. You'll meet Commander Clean and as he teaches you to pop out of the snow. You will learn how to wield Pine Soul's wands. You will hurl your own Int grenades in their tinselly glow. And of course, beat back the Lumberjackian opposition helmed by one General Steve. We now know him as Saint Steve. Beware of his um, icy blasts and, and if you bloody him a bit, but can't seem to tell if he's going down, don't worry, that's just the red of his suit. Once you're behind enemy lines, you have to save a, a, a tiny little pine tree known as Ryan and get him back to the Int headquarters. Um, and you'll face many a lumberjack on the way, dual wielding two-handed axes. These pretty incredible mauls, actually. Uh, they're called dark mauls, and they are double-sided. I came up with that in the recap. What's well, good? But once you're back, visit our souvenir store and complete your collection with a second Douglas fur sock. Or, you know, just take the one home and display it somewhere again, warm, dry. 
uh, and prominent. So have a you you youlidays. Happy or otherwise. See you next year. Wow. Now those were some bad ideas. If you'd like the boys to take a shot at designing your dungeon, free of charge, send a raven to wellmet at crappycastles.com. We prefer letters that give us enough, but not too much. We'll let you decide what that means. If you want more of the adventures ad-libbed on this show, head to patreon.com forward slash crappycastles. Any silver you can spare is much appreciated. Original music, audio editing, and bardic inspiration provided by Adron. Find her at adronmusic.com. Our theme song is Piss Fader by Tobacco. That's P-I-S-S Fader by the one and only Tobacco. As always, Ian was played by Ian, Travis was played by Travis, and you don't get to know who I am. Till next time, keep it crappy. Brrr. Hey.